welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Okay, we'll start back again. Just, I want to continue talking a little bit about the heart and probably take us through to lunchtime. One of the things that I think we get wrong is we feel the need to understand. We want to understand God. We want to understand the things of God. And that's why we begin to apply our mind to things. Like we were saying, you know, get into the word to understand. But actually understanding is not a function of the mind. It's a function of the heart. You know, Isaiah said this when in Isaiah 6 when you know, the Lord says, who, who will go for us? And it's kind of like Isaiah is the only person there. <laughs> it's a bit obvious what God means. But Isaiah is like, yeah, me, 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 me. And he said, the Lord said to him, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, Understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And when you read through the scriptures, we see quite a lot that understanding is a function of the heart. Jesus speaks so much about the heart. He speaks about the thoughts of men's hearts on a number of occasions. And as we come to look at this revelation of the Father's love, I think it's important to begin to lay down all that we think we know about God, all that we think we already understand, all that we've learned, the knowledge that we've acquired, and realise that despite it all, despite all the accumulation of knowledge, that perhaps we are like the people that Paul wrote to when he said, the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to. And so perhaps all our accumulation of knowledge, despite it all, we perhaps don't yet know as we ought to in terms of relationship because we were designed to live from our hearts, not out of our will or our emotions or our minds, but out of our hearts. And I wonder if perhaps a lot of our discipleship programs, instead of teaching us intellectually, it would be more helpful to enable people to recognize and engage with their own hearts. The problem is, I think, that we've been taught in modern Christianity that the heart can't be trusted. That, you know, things like uh, intuition and emotion and experience can't be trusted. If that's true, then why did God give us them? (laughs) They may have been broken by the fall, but they're God-given parts of our being, intuition, emotion, experience. You know, but quite often I've had quoted to me that the scripture in Jeremiah, verse, chapter 17, verse 9, you know, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. And so we're taught that we can't trust our hearts because our heart is wicked and deceitful. Now it's true that we don't often or always know what's in our own hearts, But that doesn't mean it's deceitful. Because there's a promise from God of a renewed heart, isn't there? In Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. 
You know, if you've been born again, God is in the, in the process of renewing your heart. He has put a renewed spirit in you. That's what that word new means. It means renewed. It doesn't mean brand. It doesn't mean he's swapped out your old one for a new one. It means he's renewed the spirit you have. He's renewing the heart that you have. He says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you to move you to follow my decrees and keep my laws. See, it's not about your ability to obey God. It's not about your ability to read the Bible and try and do it. It's about him putting his spirit in you. For that spirit is casting abroad the love of God in your heart. And that love is renewing your heart. And the renewal of your heart will cause you to live a Christian life. Automatically. Without putting it, having to put too much effort into it. You know, you can change your mind and you can educate yourself about things, but just because you've changed your mind doesn't mean your heart has been touched. We can learn, well, we have learned through sermons and books and everything else what we should do as Christians. Haven't we? we? We've been told this is what's wrong, this is what's right for a Christian. And yet so many of us still do what's wrong. Why is that? We know it's wrong. We still do it. Why? Because of our hearts. Because we're ignoring our hearts. We're not doing what Proverbs 4 says. We're not guarding our hearts. We're not tending to our hearts where the issues of life spring from. You know, you've probably been like me. You've said, I know what I'm supposed to do in this situation, but I'm still going to punch him. <laughs> or, you know, put your own thing in there. But when God changes your heart, you begin to love what he loves. You begin to feel what he feels. You, you begin to think the way he thinks. You begin to see things from his perspective from heaven's perspective and not from earth's perspective. And you begin to do and live the life that you were created to live automatically when your heart is changed. And all that that lack of love or, or the opposite of love has, has done to you begins to be reversed by the experience of love. So many things in, in this life that we've experienced that are not love. You know, I've talked about some of the trauma of my own life with knives and, you know, being stabbed and all kinds of stuff and, and being neglected and being sent away from home. And, and you, you know, you, you have your own stuff. You can look back in life and say, well, this, this happened to me. And, and, you know, none of that should have happened. It's not the way it was designed to happen, but the fact is it has happened. And it has driven our lives, you know, and I ended up homeless, you know, I've, I've, I've been arrested I've, because my heart was driving me and I didn't understand what it was was driving me. And I'm discovering as he pours his love into my heart, as I learn to live with an open heart, that his love is, is just pouring into those places of trauma and wind and lack of love. And he's given my heart what it needs. You know, before I came into this experience of the, of the Father loving me, I, I'd been a Christian for 20 years. And I had, when, I, when he was speaking to me about being a father to me, I had lots of questions. 
I would say, you know, if God's such a good loving father, then why did he let my dad die? Because I grew up with this idea that my dad's illness, my dad's death, our poverty was all my fault for being born. And I thought, well, that's not a good loving God. You know, I get born and he punishes my dad because I was conceived outside of marriage. And so I, the tradition I grew up in, I saw this as God's punishment for, for that sin. My dad being ill, my dad dying, us being poor, all of that stuff. And I thought, so how can he be a good father? But in August 2005, as I sat in my, my study preparing a ser- my sermon for the next day, I was a pastor at the time, I heard him call me son. Just that one word, that's all he said to me, son. And it changed my heart. And he didn't answer the questions. He's never answered those questions. The questions became irrelevant. Because the questions weren't the issue. (laughs) The state of my heart was the issue. And he began to meet my heart at the place of its damage. And began to love my heart. Not just this adult, not just this 50-something-year-old man, but, but he began to meet that little boy whose dad couldn't love him. See, if God inhabits eternity, I used to think eternity was, was something in this world without beginning, without end. But actually, I think in, in eternity is actually a dimension outside of time and space. And so God's eternal sacrifice covers the whole of human history. And so when he's pouring his love into my heart, he pours his love into any time point of my history. And so he can love that, the heart of that little boy as well as the heart of this man. Because he, everything is now from God's perspective. That's why Peter can say a, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. Because he stands outside of time and history and looks into it and touches us at any point in our own personal history. And so that's what he's begun to do. And he took all of those questions away. The questions just became irrelevant because I encountered what my heart really was crying out for. My heart wasn't crying out for answers. He could have given me intellectual answers to those questions about how he's a good father, but it would not have satisfied my heart. My heart didn't want answers. My heart wanted love. And so he met me at the point of my heart's need, not my intellect's need. And he's healing my heart, and I sometimes don't even know what it is he's healing. <laughs> I'm just finding myself changing. You know, I, I, I met, I was in San Diego um, last month, and a friend that I used to know from Scotland, he's living over there now, and, and I had dinner with him. And I was telling him about what had happened over the last 10, 12 years. And he just said, you know, he said, I can see in your eyes that you're, you're at peace, you're at rest. You never had that before. I don't know that that's, I didn't know that was in my eyes. <laughs> but he's sitting there across the table from me saying, I can see it. I can see it just by looking in your eyes. And I'm doing nothing. You know, I don't read the Bible every day. 
I don't have quiet times like I used to. But I'm finding that learning to live in this place with an open heart, His love is constantly being poured into my life. I'm not always physically aware of it. It's not, it's not always a feeling or an emotion. You know, it's great when you get feelings and God touching you, but actually that's not always His love. But there's a substance of His love being poured into our hearts that transforms us from the inside out. Because love is something of substance. It's, it's strange. It's not tangible in the sense that you can see it and touch it, and yet it is substantial. I, I can walk into a room full of people. I hate walking into rooms full of people because I'm a bit of an introvert. I don't mind this situation because you're all sitting listening to me. <laughs> but, but, you know, I can go to a party with my wife and, you know, I'm halfway through my, my first beer or glass of wine or something and, and I'm saying to my wife, what time are we leaving? <laughs> Whereas she's like, whoa, I'm just getting started. You know, she's a real extrovert. But I can walk into a room and see her across the room and just by catching her eye, I can feel her love. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. I can feel her love. It finds a landing place in me. Because that love has substance. You can't see it coming across the room. You can't catch it coming across the room. But somehow it comes across the room and finds a landing place in my heart. And the love of God is a, has substance like that. You might not see it physically or touch it physically but it has a substance that has an impact upon your heart and changes the way you live and what I'm learning to do is learning to keep my heart open to the constant stream and flow of love because he is currently loving the whole world at this very moment love has been poured out upon every human being not just Christians <laughs> but a lot of hearts aren't aware of that and are not in a position to receive that love and understand that he wants to be a father to us. Do you, do you guys know the, the Bible teacher Derek Prince? Yeah, he, he's dead now, but, but he was very well known English Bible teacher. And after 50 years of ministry, he wrote about this in, in a newsletter of his in 1998. And in 1996, he had an experience. After 50 years of ministry, every day of those 50 years, Derek Prince lived under a real heavy cloud of depression. People didn't really know that about him. But he would struggle to even get out of bed in the mornings. And this morning, he's sitting in his bed trying to read his Bible. When this, He said it was almost like a big black hand coming down on his head and just pushing him, pushing him, pushing him down. And he's just like, God, I need your help. I can't cope with this. And suddenly he felt... He could only describe it as, as power coming up his body and just pushing this black hand right off him. And he said the most remarkable thing was not that he um, was free from depression, but from that moment on, he began to address God as Father. He'd never addressed God like that before, other than formally, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I don't know why, it took 50 years for Derek Prince's heart to be in a place to receive that love. But God had been loving him every day. And somehow his heart had missed so much of that love. And I think many of us live in that place. I, I lived in that place. 
God was very clear about speaking to me, about wanting to be a father to me. And I just completely batted it away. Because I never understood my own heart. I didn't know what was in there. I remember going to LL Ministries on a weekend retreat. And while I'm there, something comes up about my dad, you know, growing up without a father, being there. And this man said, John, it's like you're an 11 year old boy trying to hold on to his dad who's gone. You know, because I was 11 when my dad died. And he said, you need to let your dad go. And I thought, okay, that sounds reasonable. So we go into this, this kind of chapel meeting room to, to pray. And I, I, I go to pray to let, and I can't say anything. I can't get any words out. Nothing, nothing will come out of my mouth. It's like stuck here at the back of my throat. And I'm struggling, I, I don't know, two minutes, 20 minutes. I have no idea how long it was. But this man that, that was with me, he said, John, you need to let your dad go. God wants to be your father. And that released me to, to speak. Not the words that we expected, because this is what came out of my mouth. No. You took my dad from me, you're not taking his place. I had no idea that was in my heart. No idea whatsoever. God knew it was there and he had to reveal it. And I, I realised this whole thing of, of God wanting to be a father to me, me wanting intimacy with God, was not happening in the way that I wanted because I had this in my heart that was saying, you can't be my father because you took my dad from me and I won't let you take his place. The voice of an 11-year-old boy can pour it, came out of my, my mouth. Or the words of an 11-year-old boy came out of my mouth. Now, that, as far as I'm aware, when I was a little boy, I never uttered those words. But it was in my heart. That's why the Bible says, you know, who can know your heart but God alone? <laughs> he knows what's in there. And he will often bring circumstances to bear that our hearts are revealed. Not to harm us, not to embarrass us, but to show us where the blockages are in our relationship with him. What are the things that stop us receiving his love? What are the things that stop us living in the flow of love? What are the things that prevent us from living from our hearts? And that was one of the things for me. There was this little boy saying, God, no. I will know you from afar, but you're not coming to take my dad's place. Wow. Most of the world is living with blockages to the love of the Father. Most Christians are. We're not aware of it. We have moments where he touches us and we think, oh, I had a wonderful touch from God. I'm sick of living with touches from God. I don't want touches from God anymore. I don't want to live like a tram car or a trolley car. You know, you have the little junction boxes and the wires overhead and it, the pole comes up from the the trolley car and it goes along and it hits the little junction box and gets a, a, a jolt of power down the down the, the wires and the pole and it enables the trolley car to, to keep going for a, a distance but then it has to hit another junction box to get another jolt of power and so many of us have lived our Christian lives that way getting touches from God but what he wants us to experience is living in the flow of love where it's not a a touch from God, but it's constant flow pouring through our lives, into our hearts, 
continually refreshing us, giving us life, leading us in life. And when we learn to open our hearts to that love, that's where we begin to understand what it is to be sons and daughters. We can talk about being sons and daughters until the cows come home. We can see the principles in Scripture and try to live them, but that's not living as sons and daughters. Sons and daughters are people who live in response to love received. And so many of us have not been living in response to love. We've been living in response to sermons, to, to you should, you must, you ought to, you need to. We've been living in response to the recipe for making a, a perfect Christian. And we get disappointed because we can't live up to that standard. No one can. You know, we thought that, that all there was to this ministry of the Father's love was it's a message that brings healing to the heart and then you get back into the battle. Until I discovered something. I discovered two things. One, there is no battle. The battle was won 2,000 years ago. Yes. You know, I need to get healed up so that I can build the kingdom. Well, no, you don't. You know, God isn't building his kingdom. Did you know that? There's no kingdom to build. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Do not worry, little flock. Don't be afraid, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure. To do what? To give you the kingdom. See, the kingdom is not something you build. It's something you receive as your inheritance. But unless you are able to walk in this, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of daughterhood, you will not be able to receive it. You will still live in that orphaned way of life where you think you have to build something to please God. The battle is over. The kingdom is already in existence. What Christianity is about is learning to live in the flow of love where not only are our hearts healed but we are enabled to live as inheritors as receivers of the kingdom of God and we are able to finally sit with Christ at the right hand of the Father because it's all been completed it's already been accomplished and I believe the key is learning to open our hearts and no matter how little that opening is Love will find a way through that little gap. Just the way water seems to find its way through cracks. And what happens is, as it begins to filter through, it begins to erode things and, and create wider openings. That's what water does over decades, centuries, millennia. And his love does the same thing in our hearts. No matter how small the opening of your heart is, his love finds a way in. And love itself begins to create an open heart. As you begin to experience his kindness, his generosity, his tenderness, his love. His faithfulness is no longer a, a proclamation or a declaration that you make in Sunday services, but it's an experience in your life where you, you begin to live in the faithfulness of his love. And it's not just that he fills the holes in our lives. You know, someone once said that, it's like our hearts are, 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 are houses or dwellings. And when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded, when you've been abused, when you've been neglected or betrayed or whatever it is, it's almost like someone has thrown in a hand grenade 
and blow, all these holes are blowing up in the, the foundations of your heart. And what happens is he comes with his love and fills your heart. And all of his love begins to pour into those broken places. Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fill them up. But so often we've stopped there because the healing has taken place. But what he wants to do is continue to pour his love into your hearts so that there is an overflow. And it's out of that overflow that the character of Christ begins to manifest in your lives. That the character of Christ begins to make itself known through you. That love begins to produce patience and kindness and, and tenderness and all of those things we read about in Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5. I've got no idea really how I opened my heart. <laughs> Other than just saying, you know, God, I want to do this. Show me how, teach me. As, as best as I know how. I, because I, I lived my life as a very cautious, suspicious person of other people. Other people's motives, other people's behaviour. I insulated myself against people and anything they could do to me or take from me. And so I, I just began by simply just saying, Father, I, I want to learn to trust you. I know in my head you're not going to harm me. But that heart of that little boy learned that life causes problems. Life brings pain. You need to change that perspective. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's been doing for the last 12 years. That's what he's still doing. Changing the perspective of my heart through the outpouring of love. I'm learning to trust him. I'm learning that, that he really is good. You know, so many of us, I guess, in, in the place of preachers, we, we make it sound as though we've arrived and, and we have reached some sort of pinnacle that you have to climb up to, to, to reach with us. That's not the case. None of us have arrived. You know, the man who, who began Father Heart Ministries, a man called Jack Winter, he used to say that all we are is three-year-olds teaching two-year-olds. <laughs> we're, not, we're not that far in front of you as you think. <laughs> And some of us feel, well, why did God let this happen? Why did God allow that? God has never done anything to, harmful to you. I thought my life's problems were all God's fault. God's punishment for being born. God's punishment for my mom and dad's sin. God never did anything wrong to me. Life happened. Life was painful. People did things to me. I did stupid things to myself. But God can only ever be good. He can't sin. He can't have done anything wrong to me. You know, we may have misunderstood who he is. We may have misunderstood his purposes. And I want to show you over the course of the next couple of days some of the ways we've misunderstood who he is. But I think right at the beginning, it's understanding that not just for these three days that I'm with you, but for the next five months of the school. It's not about what you can learn intellectually. It's not about gathering information. It's about what he wants to do in your heart over these next five months. The path that he wants to lead your heart on. 
and that it's a path of discovery of what's really in there, but it's also a discovery of the amazing things that he's going to do in you and with you and through you. The amazing ways that he's going to touch your heart and therefore impact your life. And you don't have to remember any of the facts. Just begin to learn to open your heart and let his love, his presence just impact you at that level. You don't have to understand what's going on. Just let it happen. And perhaps later he'll give you understanding, he'll give you a framework to explain what's been going on. You know, I went to New Zealand in 2010. I spent a month there with Father Heart Ministries, which is the ministry I'm part of. And when I came home, people were saying, so what happened? And I said, oh, loads happened. And they said, tell us about it. And I, I said, well, I don't really know. I didn't have the language to speak about what had happened to my heart. I just knew in that atmosphere, something was imparted to me. Something of life was imparted to my heart. And I didn't yet have the language to explain it. And that's okay. We don't need to have the language. We don't need to have the, the intellectual understanding. I think it's enough. I'm learning that it's enough to say, my heart has been changed and I don't even know how. I don't even know what it looks like or what it's going to look like. It's just, it's happening. And we may not understand. And we'll, we might never understand unless he tells us. That's okay. And so often we focus on wanting to get answers to questions. But I tell you, intellectual answers to intellectual questions will never satisfy your heart. You will always come up with more questions. You know, I love the thing, you know Nicky Gumbel who does Alpha? The Alpha course, you heard of that? So he's a vicar in, in, in London who really pioneered the Alpha course around, around Britain and the world. And he tells a story when he was a young student going in mission to Liverpool, um, I think like Heighton or somewhere like that he went to. And he and his friend went to this home to, to hold a meeting with a lot of people. Some were Christians, some were not. And so they're doing this question and answer thing. And th this man says, I want to ask some questions. And they said, OK. And he said, this man went on for about 15 minutes all of these objections to why God's a load of rubbish and why the gospel is... And Nicky Gumbel was like, a, he said, I was like a, a rabbit in the headlights thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know the answers to any of those questions. <laughs> and his, his friend that was with him looked at the man and said, sir, if I answered all of your questions to your satisfaction, would you become a Christian? And the man said, no. <laughs> and this is what his friend said. He said, okay, anyone else, any questions? <laughs> he told, because he knew that intellectual answers were not going to satisfy that man's heart. And so don't worry about getting the intellectual understanding over these next months. Allow your heart to experience what's happening. And it won't always be comfortable. Don't shut it down because of discomfort. Ride through it. You know, I don't know why Jesus had to go to the cross and experience what he experienced, but I guarantee you this, it was not comfortable but he didn't shut it down. And so don't shut down discomfort over these five months. You don't have to hide what's going on because 
the team here have seen it all before <laughs> and they're here to help you walk through it. Let them help you walk through it so that your heart can become freer, so that you can begin to discover who you really are and what his purpose is and how he is going to transform you into the image of Christ. And maybe you've come to the school because you think this is going to fix you. Maybe you've come because you think you're going to get answers. You might go away here with no answers. But if you learn to engage your heart, you will go away a transformed person. And so it's laying down our agendas, our expectations, and saying, Father, what is it you've got for me in these few days, in these five months? I want to put down what I want you to do. And learn to open my heart to say, Father, I'm here for what you want for me. Why don't you put your hand wherever you think your heart is? I usually do it here because that's where I feel most comfortable. And let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us the opportunity to set aside this time with you. And we've come, Father, because you've drawn us here. We may have thought it was a good idea or exciting, but really you've drawn us here. And so we want to give ourselves over to your purposes for our lives. We want to give ourselves over to what you want to say, what you want to do in us, what you want to communicate to us. And so we surrender to your program and your agenda. However uncomfortable that may be, Father, we want to stick with it. We want to work through it and walk through it because we want to become the man, we want to become the woman that you created us to be. We want to come into that place where we can say, I like being me. And so, Father, we choose as best as we know how to trust you, to open our hearts, to believe that you are good and you will not harm us. You will not embarrass us or humiliate us. But as you expose our hearts, it's not to hurt us, but to set us free from the things that bind us, from the things that, that hinder us living in intimacy with you. And you want to birth new dreams in us. Father, our dreams are too small. You want to birth us into impossible dreams. And so, Father, we give ourselves over to your dreams for us. We want to come to the place where we know you being Father to us. Where you're not Father way up in the sky, but you are Father to us. You've promised that I will be a Father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. And Lord, we don't want to learn the doctrine of that, or the theology of that. We want to walk in the experience of that. I've been fathered by you. And so here we are with our hearts, but we don't even know what's in them. <laughs> but we say, Father, show me my heart. 
Show me the barriers to intimacy with you. Let's go deep together, Father. As you transform us into the image of Jesus. As you conform us to the image of your Son. Thank you. That you are our Papa. Our Abba. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.